Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Hey, fellas. Ham. Good to be back. And the first show for the 2020 season kicking off. Um, it's good to be back, boys. It's tough. 2022 2020. season. What did I say? We're going back Gee. in time, baby. I don't want to go back, back to the 2020. Uh, yeah. Before times, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty much true. Uh, before what it's in history, it's what before common era and common era. It's now before COVID and after COVID. <laughs> it certainly does feel that way. Um, so we put in a tough off season, had a couple of chats, get ready to uh, put some uh, miles in the legs, and now we're ready to to hit hit straight into it. There's nothing like a match day experience though. Off is the there? back fences, yeah, like a Nathan Brown hit up, boys. All right. Well, let's jump straight into it. So uh, the off-season, or at least the beginning of it, was dominated by uh, Parramatta losing. What was it? Eels lose another as Max Exodus continues is the zero tackle article. Um, So let's have a look uh, at the players that we have lost, and it should be noted for the 2023 season as opposed to the 2022 season. Uh, So Oregon Kafusi, he's gone uh, to the Sharks. Is that right? Correct. To the Sharks. Three years. Yeah, Isaiah Papalee is off to the West Tigers. Reed Marnie to Canterbury Bulldogs. Ray Stone gets a slot up at the Dolphins. He'll probably get a starting spot up there, I reckon. That, that was the one I was that really chuffed fun. for. I, I thought that's an awesome reward for the work that Stoney's done. So of all the ones we lost, he's the one I actually felt good about. And Moran there, Corey returns back to homeland New Zealand, who didn't really want anything to do with him when he was coming up through the juniors. Same with the Bulldogs so, Reed, by the way. Same, same with Reed Marty. Yeah. Um, so let's just start. Uh, so we'll start with Ray Stone. So off to the Dolphins. They obviously commence in 2023. They've signed a, a, a lot of older players. Um, so I guess they're getting a, a workhorse in Ray Stone, who's real, pretty, still pretty young and pretty raw. Um, but, but as uh, his namesake hits uh, like a block of Stone. Well, he's going to be a core member of our team, almost certainly, unless something drastically changes about their recruitment profiling. He's uh, did Asako join them? Yeah. So him, him and Asako are by far the youngest members of that squad. So he's going to be a core member of that team. And well done to Sony. Uh, he's been an awesome servant of the club here in the blue and gold, and had a bit of bad luck of injuries, but uh, really solidified his uh, reputation as a bloke that you know works hard and hits harder on the field. Yeah. Ever since he came into our system in the twenties. I've just been a fan of him. He just plays the game, you know, he leaves nothing out on the field. Um, and he brought that, you know, I think that's sort of what caused a lot of his injuries was he just, he played too hard and he was he was too hard for his own good at some points. So case there, was one there, eh? game there. There was one game there where he um, walked off after getting tackled around the legs, I believe, after scoring a try. And uh, he was walking around trying to run around, turned out he had a syndesmosis injury. So... <laughs> Uh, and I, w- I would not have guessed that, judging by his reaction. So, and I, no, I, good on Raymond. Um, just, you know, so happy for him. Um, he's finally getting a two-year deal at a club, and I hope he does well up there. And I don't say this lightly, but he might be the most technically proficient defender in the NRL. He is an absolute genius, like a savant, when it comes to tackling technique and be able to drive far heavier and uh, more physically built players into the ground. Yeah, just you know, disappointed that from a team perspective that we're losing out on him because I think um, as players get older they sort of well they hit that peak sort of thing. You saw Benji Marshall, Sonny Pill early in their careers. By no means am I comparing Ray Ray to those two. I just think you know those injuries, early injuries um, come about. I think if Ray can get um you know a good season or two under his belt, I think he'll be a really he, solid player for it. He'll know. be 
he, he stays that, with the Dolphins or whoever he's with. It, but I think I don't know who's going to be supporting the Dolphins since they're not the Redcliffe Dolphins; they're just the Dolphins. So I don't know what the you know, catch which catchment <laughs> of fans are going to have barracking for them. But uh, whoever is cheering for the Dolphins in twenty twenty three, I think they're going to fall in love with Stony very quickly. All right, on to the next player, Isaiah Papali. He signs an extended deal uh, with the West Tigers uh, for pretty big dollars um, after his one season revelation last year. Um, what do you think of the club's decision not to match? Uh, that big figure and that extended deal. I, I, I've been critical of some of the club's processes in the past in regards to the way we've approached uh, retention in particular, but I, I feel like they did the right job of Papali'i. I thought that their initial offer was uh, in the right ballpark for a player that's had one productive year of football and that was with us. And I felt like they did the right thing at capping their offer where it was, which I think was around $550,000 a season, which is you know very good money still. Um, and you know, he chose to maximise his value, which I've got no issues with because that's the reality of being a footballer. Your window for earning is so short. But it does it does sting still that it's a bit of a pump and dump. We uh, took him on board as a you know a player that was on the bench at the Warriors, struggling for time, and he really blossomed in twenty twenty one with us. Um, and you know, and by all accounts, uh, you know, sixty training reports you know have been showing that he's you know going to be tearing in in twenty twenty two. But yeah, it still stings. But uh, you know. I think the club did the right thing. I want to see what Birdie thinks of this. No, this, oh, this yeah. one talking about stinging of all the clubs to go to. Going to I mean, that first club, seriously. I mean, like, he's a piece of shit, Mars. I'm not I don't trying to be like Brandon Smith. Birdie, 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 stop holding back. We need to hear the unfiltered version. No. I just, I just, I, don't pull I just, punches, mate. I, I find it, I just, it just shows you what type of person he is because, like, you know, he's got his whole career ahead of him, right? You know, the Warriors, like, he didn't make it the Warriors. If you're not making it the Warriors, you're not making it anywhere. We gave him a lifeline. Okay, $150,000, it, it was a pay cut when he came to us. But, listen, we made you who you are. Like, I'm not saying we don't own you, but, like, if it wasn't for us, you'd be in England, you know? You'd be like the, those has-beens that, you know, that could have been anything. And the fact is, you're giving up, right? Like, we're playing, look at us, we're Final Four, no, sorry, we're Final Six, right? You know, we, we could have we went all the way this year, like, or last year, sorry, and... You're giving that up to go play for the Tigers? Literally, like, he must love October off, you know, or whatever, September off, because you, they're not making finals anytime soon. If you're telling me, if you're telling like, I just, that's what pisses me off. And you can say he's setting up his family. He's 22, for God's sake. Some people don't even have a career till they're 30 years old. Like, just, I don't know. He could have signed a two-year deal. But the fact is he tried, and you know what? It just shows what type of person he is, right? He knows he had his best, it was his best season last year up to in his whole career. He knows that's as good as he's going to get, right? That's like me having a one-eye stand for model and say, that's it, I'm never sleeping with women again. Because that's the best I'm ever going to get. Because why else would you go to that? Those scum pieces of shit. Why? No, I don't have anything against him maximizing his potential. You know, if he was to have any... If he was to have an injury this year, um, you know that's money in the bank for him for the next three seasons. So, but like, like his his stock has gone down. Like, let's be honest. Like, name a player, name the last player that went to West Tigers, right? That's got that, that, that end up having a bigger contract. Stefano, the, the next contract. Stefano, but that was because he's like the only good player they've signed ever. So yeah, but see, they're only they're only re-signing him because they're scared of losing, not because of what he's truly valued at. I'm just saying. Oh, I, it's just, it's just, I, you know, I, I had, I went on the bitch fit when it happened on Twitter. I just, you're going backwards when you go over there. Okay, look, I, we I made was, him who he is. I was surprised that he took the money from the Tigers because I felt like with our offer supposedly capping at 550, but including a bump up this year, um, it would have 
pretty much bridged a chunk of the gap, even though it was a year shorter, but he would have been able to then come into a new contract faster to maximise his earnings in his mid-20s. Um, so, yeah, it, it certainly was a kick in the guts in that regard. But like Hamish said, it, it's kind of hard to fault a player for locking up what is not generational wealth, but it does set him up for a long time. Um, yeah, and thankfully it looks like he's still you know very serious about his commitment to the Eels this year. But, yeah, it, it definitely hurts given that we've been so good at finding these guys that have been, you know, sort of underachievers at clubs that aren't necessarily maximising a player's potential and then letting those players realise their potential here. Um, and to have him be one of the, you know, biggest uh, success stories in that regard, but then turn around to immediately sign somewhere else, it, it does hurt, yeah. Like, All right, well, let's like, run on. No, no, buddy, you, you've had your rent. Let's move on. Oh, I can't wait for the next player. <laughs> Fuck, Next player is Murata Neokore, uh, returning oh. to his homeland, New Zealand. I don't think we'll be too mad with that. Although no, This is the one that we all expected, always, right? Would, yeah, yeah. I think we all expected Murata. Um, and given, you know, he's more of a bench sort of middle slash second roller for us as opposed to a starting second roller. And he, um, got, he got very good money there from the Warriors too. Four years, 650K, a pop thereabouts. You talk about setting your family up, that is... Uh, absolutely banking your bankrolling your family, you know, for years to come. Um, he was a fantastic servant for the club, and, and he will be this year as well. Um, but he goes. And I there. think one of our concerns, though, was uh, you know he's a penchant for uh, suspension, getting himself in trouble with the judiciary. Yeah, he's, so he's, uh, I don't think we could have matched that sort of money if he's going to be missing, you know, three or four games a season. No, um, and yeah, once again, been a tremendous player for the club, and he's going to give it his all this year to get us over that hump. Um, and I think, like we said, coming into this preseason or off-season, the combo there, that was the one play we sort of just expected to lose. There'd been a lot of overtures about St. George and the Warriors throughout the season as um, him being a prime target for them and given his ties to New Zealand for his family, not, not given that he played there prior, but the family and the fact that he hasn't been able to see a lot of extended family for quite some time due to COVID protocols. Yeah, this was the one we expected, but... Then the other ones were the ones that sort of hit us between um, ice and uh, obviously the one that's going to come up now. Yeah, that's the thing. Like with us developing these forwards, like we have, you know, Murata, Apali'i, um, you know, even in the past, Manu, Mao, Kenny Edwards. You know, that's going back a little bit now. But um, with the with ice and Murata, when you build them up, you sign them for next to nothing. Obviously, the next contract's going to be big because we've developed them as players. So. You know, eventually you can't keep all of them under the salary cap. Like, maybe we should go back to not developing players and doing a West Tigers. <laughs> going in reverse. <laughs> Sign them on big money and then get them on peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that that's the little club mentality, isn't it? Like doing the reverse of what, <laughs> of what we've been up to because you've got to find the inefficiencies in the market and that's what we've done so well. You mentioned Manu Ma'u and Kenny Edwards, and there's been other folks in that mould uh, during that same era, but more recently, obviously, Murata and Ice, Ray Stone himself as well, and by leaving uh, Makahesi Makatoa. Uh, and now I think the player we're sort of looking at now is Ofiki Ogden, who 60s has spoken quite positively about at training. But um, we, we've done a very good job of converting guys that you know are fringe players or you know not achieving potential and making them fully realised uh, borderline or genuine rep-quality players. Like, I'm Mariah's, you know, one of his biggest fans. Like, oh, I'm shattered he's leaving us, but, you know, like, I'm not going to crucify him. He's going back home, right? He's getting, he's setting up his family for life. And this is a player, right, who's been on the bench for us the past two years in and out of the starting, starting um, lineup. He's guaranteed a, a starting position at the Warriors, you know? Like, I don't see any negative um, negatives towards this, uh, towards his moving, you know? No harsh, no hard feelings. 
it's a positive thing for him, you know? It's a business decision and it's also a football decision because, you know, and like, I'm not saying we're like the number one team, but it's very hard to crack into our team, man, at the moment. You know, our starting, you know, 13 is very rock solid and, you know, you take the chance you can get, you know, he can be a starter at Warriors and get paid good money. So, yeah, well done, mate. Come a long way. All right, well, let's jump over to the last one that burned probably the most. Uh, Reid Marnie signing a multi-year big deal at the Bulldogs. Um, the Eels apparently came close to matching the offer, but uh, um, apparently uh, the Chinese takeout over at Canterbury Leagues is just too good. Um, this one's pretty the frustrating. Media, the, 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 the honey chicken is just fantastic over there, I've heard. I heard it was the garlic prawns that, that won him over. Uh. <laughs> um but I, I might just start off with, uh, you know, Reid, I guess one thing that we can look over the last two seasons, he's had pretty much season-ending injuries twice. He was sort of saved in the 2020 season. Yep. Yeah, when COVID uh, initially hit that, because we had that eight-week break. That's right. So he managed to come back and rehab after that Titans match where – what was that? That was the toe. Broken foot. Yeah, he got uh, – yeah. against the Titans, he had his foot stepped on, I think. Yeah, and then um, for last year is that shoulder subluxation, uh, which they rehabbed, and then he went on to try play with it after, and of course it ended in a in a complete was it a complete tear of his shoulder or something? I can't remember. Um, I think um, he would have ligament, um, ligament damage, but the problem with a subluxation of the shoulder is that it's like a reoccurring injury. Once your ligaments around your like supporting the shoulder loosen like that, uh, reoccurring shoulder dislocations become quite easy. Yeah, so it's pretty much have surgery or um, you run the risk of doing it again. Um, but do you think um, possibly the reason we didn't go all guns blazing is obviously our medical team have a lot to do with him and they might have just had some sort of reservations in respect of those um, injuries because think, we know that he's the little terrier that plays a, a mile a minute. I think that that would have played a, a factor. Um, I, I also think that they realistically evaluated him at what they, the offer was in relation to the market. Um, the dogs obviously have been splashing out big money across a lot of players to the point where there was uh, some concerns over they can register some of their uh, acquisitions for 2023. Um, I don't know. I, I think the plan was to keep him pretty confidently. Um, I think the dogs just made a very aggressive offer, perhaps even bigger than what the media might have alluded to initially. Um, and once again, it's a case of he is now set up long-term coming into what will be his, you know, one of his big contracts post the dog's contract to just, you know, go wherever he wants and chase a ring. I'm saying no on the shoulder part because if we were concerned about him doing it, like we allegedly offered up, not the dog's final offer, but we we matched the dog's offer. If we were worried about his shoulder, I don't think we would have hit that initially. Like we would have stuck at our, at our initial offer. Um, I do agree with 40 though that you, you look at, what Reed is allegedly supposedly getting, and it's seven hundred plus. Who who would be getting that? Damian Cook and Coruscant. And as much as I think Reedy, if he stayed with us within the next four years, I think he would have gotten up to that level. I think um, he's got a, a quite a larger skill set than um, Damian Cook, who's very good at what he does. But I think Reedy offers um, more in terms of kicking and playmaking. Um, but he's just not at that level. At the moment, so while we were paying on potential, the dogs are truly paying on that potential paying off for them. And yeah, like- I yeah I agree with um him earlier. Just like you don't you don't come close if you don't, if you don't, if you think this the shoulders a problem, you don't come close to it. We'll, we'll do a South Sydney where with with Adam Reynolds where they only offer him a one year deal. 
I just feel it's a business decision after all. Because, like, he's starting for us. He's playing for us, right? He's going to be playing. If he stayed with us, he'll be playing for Queensland, right? You know, he's going to get paid. So, like, what what is the difference between us and them? It, it comes down to the, the financial difference. And I don't... Look, I, I said, uh, you know, with Papa Lee, I, what's the price of playing uh, semi-final football? I think it's like an extra 150k. That's the difference because I don't think the Bulldogs are going to make the finals. You know, as much money as they spend, I still think they're not... They don't got a full squad to make it, That's you know... That's a fair point, Bertie, in that staying of Parramatta gives him a very realistic realistic chance of, if not outright beating uh, the Melbourne dummy half, who I, Harry Grant, uh, Harry Grant. To, to the number nine jersey, sharing it between the nine and 14 role based on Parramatta's you know, consistent top four finishing. At the Dogs, maybe he shines because he can help carry them towards the top eight and, and be the difference maker in a very weak spine. Uh, but the reality is it might cost him an origin spot. Because we, we know that, especially in terms of, you know, the fringe candidates or the, the guys that are sort of the outsiders looking in, coming from a, a team of pedigree makes a difference when it comes to rep selection. Yeah, I still think from the club, uh, you know, we've got a couple of development hookers and perhaps a little bit later, Hammond 40, you can speak to that. Um, but, you know, Reed's come up from the juniors when he was given to us pretty much by the Bulldogs for a pine and coke. Actual pine and coke deal. deal. Yeah, actual pine and coke deal. It's, it was one of the greatest swindles of like the modern day. Um, but you, you mean you touched on it at the start, Hamish, talking about the injury concerns. And I, I do think that was a part of the negotiation process. And you mentioned that this year or last season past, he got bogged down when it really, you know, was the go time for us. And that ended up probably costing us a real, like a legitimate tilt at the premiership. Um, and the year before he played 21 games, but that's covered up by the fact that it's really 13 games. Cause you mentioned he broke his foot and otherwise would have missed eight weeks of action or thereabouts. So, yeah, the, there is certainly a legitimate concern about the fact that there's been a lot of potential from Reed, and there's no doubt he's a tremendous player. But uh, outside of his second year, he hasn't put together a full season. Yeah, I still think it's a bit of frustration. I think, you know, you've sort of got the players that you're going to mortgage yourself on are your spine players. And it seems like for this team, it had been really built around, you know, the 167. Well, everybody should really be building around the 167 and 9 unless you're. Bulldogs and you just pay a, a nine and don't think about the one, the six and the seven. Um, but um, you know, I, I think this is the, the the spine that we wanted and unfortunately we let somebody come in and, and take that nine who we developed right up from those juniors all the way through. And, you know, Reed, he, he should have been playing Origin ahead of uh, Harry Grant this year, sliding doors moment. He might not have done that shoulder injury if he'd been picked in the team like he should have been. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, he, he he seemed to be a key piece moving forward and, and he won't be here next year. So that gives us incentive to have a real good crack at it this year with the, the current spine we have. Mm-hmm. And a, and a yeah, pot- potential – sorry, go you go, Ham. No, I just wanted to say, yeah, absolutely. I'm all done. I was going to say the potential red flag is – you know, Gus Gould, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, sometimes he gets, he changes his mind, you know, he signs players to big deals and then, you know, within 18 months, they're at the door. Like, so, I don't know. I just feel it's a massive risk to go to Bulldogs. And, you know, you can call me salty, whatever you want, but I don't know, man. Their, their, their cap is pretty tight and, you know, push comes to shove. Like, look what happened. They signed Kotrick, you know, a year ago and they had to release him to, you know, free up funds. So, there's um, some definitely boom or bust recruitment there between TPJ and Kikau. Um, I'm not sure if they're the cornerstones of a ascending squad. Yeah, definitely. It seems to be just buying a lot of outside backs. And, you know, they've got Burton, who seems to be their saviour. But, you know, from what we've seen, he's he's a very good centre, uh, but has had the benefit of having, you know, Nathan Cleary, who's the best seven in the game, a premiership uh, to run alongside. So. From 1 to 17. 
whether or not he can be the main man in the middle remains to be seen, and they've sort of mortgaged their future on that. So we'll wait and see how they pen out. But um, you know, there's a lot of Chirpy Bulldogs uh, fans coming into this season, so um, <laughs> I'd very much uh, laugh if they uh, retain that uh, wooden chalice that they earned last year. Um, all right, well, let's uh, jump into losses for 2022. Um, so Blake Ferguson, um, we know about his stint over in oh, Japan. Blake. He hasn't even laced up a boot before. <laughs> being told <laughs> to bugger off. Carrying a baggie on him. You reckon he's got the receipt for his suitcase? So you reckon he, you know, he can probably return that <laughs> money back? Uh, Keegan Hipgrave, he retired at the end of last year. Sam Hughes, um, unfortunately, he seems to have some stuff going on long, uh, uh, outside of football. Uh, Joey Lussick, we know he went back to England for St. Helens, which is unfortunate because I thought he was a fairly good uh, yeah, Joey backup. Yeah, for, for us. But obviously, he, he, he likes the uh, the UK climate over there. So um, if he's going to get a starting gig in their top flight, uh, I can sort of understand it. Uh, Michael Oldfield, I don't think anybody's crying over spilt. Uh, Michael <laughs> Oldfields. Oh, <laughs> thank, we'll thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I, I like that saying, no crying over spilt Michael Oldfields. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Will Smith going up to the Gold Coast Titans and uh, you know, Will, speed, you magnificent bastard that's another one like Greystone I can't help but wish him the best he was awesome for us oh, he'll be there starting nine this year who else have they got I don't even know oh, they've got the ex uh, Broncos halfback Tanner Boyd and the ex Parramatta prospect uh, that went was from the Warriors uh, oh, Aaron Clark Aaron Clark yeah so not exactly who, who are their halves by the way I know Taylor left they got uh, Johnson back. Sorry, who? No, the Titans. Oh, sorry, Titans. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. God, uh, what's his name? Sexton? AJ Brimson Sexton? and Toby Sexton. Yeah, Sexton. Oh, yeah. God. Because um, what's his yeah, name? He's right. gone to Canberra, right? Uh, another former Eel. Um, That's right, yeah. Ricky prized him out. Uh, yeah. um, all right, well, let's go to Gaines for 2022. So uh, talking about... Oh, just, just quickly. Sorry, yeah. just quickly. Uh, this, this sort of more delves into John's and I's um, territory here, but... I think it's I think it's just as poignant because I think it's going to raise a, a larger issue within the club. Um, we've also lost uh, Caleb Toey to Canberra um, just in the past week, and Miles Martin to Newcastle. Now, to a lot of people out there, they won't be any big losses, but these guys are in our juniors, and they were like specifically picked to be in our junior team. It's hard to crack into. I just think. With our processes at the, at the moment, with with losing so many uh, middle forwards within the first grade team, to be losing the next the next crop coming up as well. Um, recently, we also lost Trey Mooney to the Raiders and uh, or Stefano to the Tigers and everything. I just think, you know, I'm not saying go out and match these stupid offers. I just I'd like to see a, a, maybe a better process put into place that these other teams aren't able to yeah, offer maybe our little, young guys. A bit more uh, on the guys that the, the club is truly invested in, being a little bit more aggressive on the contract durations, uh, maybe, you know, sign yeah. up for three or four years rather than two years, um, or if they're coming off into an off-contract period with that, I assume it still applies to like 18-year-olds or sub-18-year-olds, that November 30th rule. Um, being a little bit more, uh, once again, aggressive on getting to the front foot of that and preventing rival negotiations. Because I know with Caleb, he's a... Go, Hamish. Sorry, I was going to say, it's one of the reasons that they might be looking for elsewhere is because we've got, you know, Junior and Reg signed on long-term deals. They don't really see a path If you're a middle forward, I can definitely understand the frustration of a blocked pathway, but for someone like Miles Martin or Caleb, um, you know, lock forward and and edge forward, there's opportunities there in the club, uh, you know, uh, in the in the short and medium term, 
Um, and, you know, obviously going back to Stefano, that was a blunder. You know, that, that was a guy that we all, you know, Ham and I in particular, but we all knew was going to be a representative caliber forward at some point. Um, and, and Trey Mooney was definitely one of our better edge prospects coming through. So th- those ones do sting, and, and you do have to face the reality that clubs, particularly weaker clubs, are always going to throw big money at some of these prospects. Sometimes you can't get in there in time to beat those offers and you can't match. But, yeah, it, it does hurt in recent times. We've been so good at protecting our blue chippers, but then you have a few just slip through the cracks in the last two years, and, yeah, it stinks. Just just on that, um, like they're seeing Reg and Junior, what, they signed up for another four years at this point? Is that something right? Like that. 20, yeah. 2025, 2026? Yeah. So you look at Caleb. Caleb, I can sort of understand in that instance. He, he'll be turning 21 this year, I believe. So he's sort of in that in that range where you go, oh, no, I'm looking at a bench spot at least for another four years at this point. So I go down to Canberra. I can understand that. Someone like Miles Martin, he's turning 18 this year. He'll be 22 by the time those guys are off contract. So... You know, you'd say you bide your time for two years on the bench for Junior and Reg to progress mm. on, or if or if you believe you're good enough, you can surpass them in in that time period. I just think and that, re- realistically, that, Junior uh, and Reg are obviously starting players, but they're two of as many as five or six middle forwards in rotation because you've got the starting lock, the starting props, then two bench props, and even a bench middle utility. You know the. There was opportunities here at Parramatta, and obviously we we didn't sell that hard enough in these specific cases. Uh, you know, it might be a harder sell, but if I'm trying to sell the prospect of staying as a 17, 18 year old, I'm saying Junior Paulo is a New South Wales forward, probably one of the most skillful game. forwards in the game. You know, one of the most skillful forwards to ever play the game, probably at this point. Uh, Regan Campbell Gillard, former Australian player, former New South Wales player, you'll be playing and learning and training against these guys. So in years to come, when you do hit 25, when you do hit 26, you'll be right in prime position because you've come through our development process. As we know that we develop first graders with that extra tutelage under your belt, you do have the potential to be a representative caliber player. All right, well, let's jump on to the 2022 season gains. Um, so starting with uh, Gold Coast Titans, Mitch Rain comes down. Uh, so he's really a like-for-like replacement for Joey Lussick, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good pickup. Um, he, I, I joked with you guys before about this in, in our uh, offline chatting, and there's a little bit of a, uh, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, about Mitch Rain. He uh, comes in as the backup at quite a few clubs, whether it's St. George, Panthers, Titans, and ends up playing a whole stack of starting dummy half and usually does a pretty good job. So um, given Reed's troubles, as we talked about with injury um, in the last couple of years, I wouldn't be stunned if uh, Mitch plays quite a few games as a starting number nine. And by all accounts, he's been an absolute pro at training. But um, could you see him as the 14 in this in this team? Just to, He provides that spark and mm. that run from dummy half. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, if you're going to critique something I, of uh, uh, Reed's game, it's uh, that dummy half running. He's still he's getting yeah, there. Yeah, he has games where he's dominant doing it, but then there are games where it sort of becomes a, perhaps an afterthought. Um, I, I think uh, I was looking at it. 60s did a sort of mock uh, teamless Tuesday for round one, um, and he has Mitchell Rain projected as his number 14 right now based on what he's seen in the preseason. But it is a very fierce fight for bench spots. There's about eight or nine guys trying to fit into four. I'm just unsure about having Mitch Rain as a as a the bench option if we're going for that hooker because he can only play hooker. And same with Reed, he can only play hooker. I personally, I like 
I'd be put, you know, probably because I'm a big fan, I'm probably very biased here, but I'd be putting Stoney in that position. I think that, you know, if he's going to play dummy half in in game, 10 minutes at the, 10, 15 minutes at the most, but he can fill out on the edge, he can fill in it um, dumb, at, uh, in the middle, and you know he's going to be good defensively. I, Mitch Rain's probably going to be good defensively for us, but I just think just that flexibility, I, I can see it, Literally being a like-for-like like, uh, swap with Joey Lusick there where he plays in reserve grade, helps those guys out with his NRL experience. We've got a very young uh, spine and a very young team in reserve grade next year. I think having him there, if Reed gets injured, if he gets picked for origin, if he gets suspended, that's when you bring Mitch Rain in. You're going to bring in a someone who's played 200 NRL games. You don't play 200 NRL games if you're a chump. Um, so he's going to bring that experience and we know we can count on him to make his tackles and uh, make the passes for 80 minutes. And then Bailey Simonson comes from the Canberra Raiders after uh, we touched upon that return for Bulldogs legend. Um, uh, so he's signed for the next two years. You expect Bailey probably starting the, the season with um, Sibo still to come back from yeah, injury? Yeah, I think the projected wing combination, the wing centre combinations will be Hayes and Wanga and then uh, Will and Bailey. So he's a pretty good finisher at Canberra Raiders, but um, probably not that uh, producer like uh, Sibo at his best. But he does give us a, a genuine speed option outside of Will, who we know can create a lot of space and opportunity for his flanker. So I am interested to see how that combination comes together. Um, and he also gives us a good piece of um, backup depth at fullback in particular. Um, that is, his, I believe that is his preferred position um, in regards to wing and fullback. But, you know, with uh, Ferguson moved on, we've got uh, now Simonson and I'd say Sean Russell and also Hayes Perham too, uh, but that gives a bit of extra depth at the number one position. I'm liking this signing. I, I know, like Michael Oldfield didn't set the bar high, but <laughs> like you, you look at um, like serious talk. Like you look at with Fergo Sivo, we're sort of like slow in our back three. You know, we're just more physical. But you add Russell on one wing and Simon's on the other. Like they're both quick. You know, they're not Ado Car or Jason Saab quickness, but they're not plotters. So a bit of speed in that back line, which you know I've been craving for. Um, for the past couple of years, you know, but like it's, it's, I, I really do like it, and um, you know, he can start. I, I I have no quarries if he starts, and even you know when Sevo comes back, he has to work his way in. But it's a it's a positive signing because um, he's not like a washed up has been. He's just you know he's just he's a youngster. He's got plenty of potential, and he's yeah, I'm digging it. Jacked. Have you seen pictures of him? He's absolutely jacked as well. So well, he's not he's, he's not quite Sevo in terms of physical uh in. I suppose, uh, posture and, and intimidation. He's uh, a little ball of muscle in his own right. Well, Kotrick was sort of like that before he went to the Bulldogs, and, you know, he had that perfect balance of size and speed, and, yeah, like, you know... Kotrick might be pretty... a cautionary tale for Reed. <laughs> was oh. a rep-level player before he went to the Bulldogs. Maybe he enjoyed the RSL too much a bit, you know? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was... Uh, too many Gaelic prawns. Kotrick's probably going to go back to being a good player now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, then uh, last is the upgrade, Josh Tui-Pilotu. So I guess a success story there about bringing a junior through. Um, Ham, 40, you guys have been uh, following Tui-Pilotu for a while. Do you want to tell us his position and a little bit of background? Oh, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, oh, we really started noticing Josh when he, Harold Matthews, at 16 years old. I believe he got player of the tournament. Player of the entire tournament, yeah. Yeah, so um, did really well there. Unfortunately, Suffered a really bad leg injury in the grand final, and that was really the tipping point of the game. Um, but since then, Josh has sort of uh, – he's been in and out of the team. He's, he's a fullback at heart. Um, he, You know, it's obviously junior, so it's 
the defense isn't great, but he's got a lot of long range tries. He can set up well. He's quick, but not overly quick. Quite tall, tall and skinny. Yeah, a bit, bit of a range build. Yeah, yeah. So I think Josh has sort of had a few um, years where he's had to deal with stuff off the field. Um, if you're on social media, Instagram, not, not the, what, what Ham's alluding to isn't a neg- like he hasn't been an idiot or anything like that. He's just had some uh, unfortunate. No, no, no. Yeah, he's absolutely lovely, lovely young man. It seems like I don't know him personally. Never met, never met him, but. Um, judging by his social media posts, he's just had some off-field stuff to have to deal with. So, you know, he, he's one of the guys you, you hope comes through and plays first grade just because he seems like he seems like a really nice guy. I think he's he's going to be projected to maybe start at fullback in the flag this year and then work his way into the Canterbury Cup, or say Canterbury Cup, the New South Wales Cup, knock-on effect New South Wales Cup, based on how that team's travelling with opportunities. Um, yeah, and I think if he can just stay on the field – and get a full season under his belt, he'll make big steps as the season progresses. All right, boys. Well, I think we've gone through the gains and losses. Uh, so let's jump to the next topic, which is the trial game. So two trial games confirmed. And if I'm correct, these are the same trials we played last year? Yeah, we did that same teams. development game against the Dragons last year where we had that cap on NRL experience and then we played the Panthers in the series trial. All right, well, let's have a look. That's at happening that. again. It does. It's not confirmed, at least in the Eels printout. So it just, yeah. So it's Dragons at Combank Stadium on Sunday, February twentieth at six pm. Tickets are already on sale if you want to go see that. I think they're about ten bucks a pop, and um, which is a double header with kickoff for the match being played prior is at four pm. Um, and then we've got the Panthers at Penrith Stadium. Um, Blue Ball Stadium, Saturday, February 26th at 5pm, um, kick off at 5, yeah. So I, I'm not quite sure on, on the Dragons one whether or not they have all the, the extended squad as opposed to first-grade players. It doesn't seem to have been confirmed, but that's not unlike the NRL to not confirm anything. Yeah. So That was a game last year. I can't find anything anyway. That's where Will Penasani really jumped onto the radar for fans that had been following him in the juniors. He played a good chunk at centre there and really shined. And that was a fun one, actually, Um there was a, quite a few players that stood up and had a, a good game there in terms of the young and fringe guys. Mac Attack, you know, I think he played yeah, a full yeah, 40 Cassie, minutes or something. Yep, had, a, had a very good game there. Yep. And there was a lock. Uh, what was his name? El, El Zakim yeah, or El something? Zakim. Yep, he went on to have a very strong season in reserve grade and now has himself positioned as a, yeah. like a, a fringe NRL prospect. Yeah, so um, we'll see how those trial games uh, progress as we get a bit closer and I'm sure a fair few people will be in attendance. Um, now to... Uh, couple of games that uh, Ham and Forty are going to be in attendance for this weekend. Yeah, the schedule sort of got messed up a little bit because they changed it during the week. But we've got three junior rep games this week and two of them will be out at Mascot. So we're going to be able to see the Harold Matthews and the Tash Gow in action. Unfortunately, the SG Ball making the trip up to the Central Coast. So we won't be able to catch them. But I think 60s might be making a bit of a weekend of that. So we might get a bit of feedback from him. Um, okay, so let's uh, jump into that. So Saturday the 5th of February at Mascot Oval. Harold Matt start at 10am, followed by Tasha Gales at 11.30am. And then the trek up the M1 to Maury Breen Complex for the SG Ball, which kicks off at 2pm. So we'll just start with this first Harold Matt's team. Muhammad um, Al-Madin at fullback, Luke Moran and Richard Penasini. I assume the younger brother yes, of uh, Will correct. on the wing. Uh, Michael Gabriel and Junior Fagalali uh, in the centres. Blaze Talagi and Lorenzo Talatani, uh, Talatana uh, in the halves. Sam Tavati and Jordan Uta 
with Matt Arthur. Uh, that's another prodigy of uh, Boots, yeah, Bra- that's the youngest son. Mm-hmm. Playing hooker, uh, Josiah Funaluta, Jordan Faliono, and Sebastian Pukala uh, round out the forwards there. And then the in- interchange bench, Lachlan Koinakis, Shabel Shahade, Joshua Bridget, Mavetti Otta, and Dylan Brettel. Um, so can you tell us some of the standouts in the Harold Mats, noting this? For this, it seems like a fair few of these players, it's their first year in, in, in the mats. Yeah, I suppose you start off the returning players because the Harold Mats went to the grand final last year and had a good account of themselves against the dominant Manly team and they just fell short. Um, Blaze Talangi, Blaze Talagi, uh, very good young prospect in the halves, was playing a year young, obviously, given that he's back this year and just was a very well-rounded player, wasn't he, Ham? Defensively, had no issues taking on big contact, run the ball strongly and really came into his own with the passing and kicking as the season progressed. And then alongside him, you've got Sam Tuovati in the front row, who was an absolute behemoth, big mobile man for big engine. Um, and he, I was stunned when I found that he was <laughs> young, uh, but he was a cornerstone of the forward pack last year. And then looking across that team on the bench, uh, Mavetti uh, Otauta was also uh, a part of that team last year. But aside from that, yeah, a lot of new faces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, so, yeah, 40 pointed those two out. Um a play, I, I saw one trial match. It was against Penrith uh, earlier, a couple of weeks ago. A player that really stood out to me was uh, Michael Jabril out in the centres. Uh, very powerful runner of the ball. Um, only young. He'll, he'll get his work rate up. But whenever he took a run, he was taking 15, 20 metres, three or four blokes to bring him down. So very good signs there. Um, also want to point out, there's from what I can gather, there's five players in this team that'll be playing a year young. So they're only 16 when it's under 17. So um, going going back on re- only round one games, um, that's the most that I could find if there are any Parramatta Eels team. The most before that was two. So um, huge props to those guys. I'm not, I think it'll be a very strong squad. Yeah, I think the expectations um, so are reasonably high for this team. Um, they've got a good spine. Yeah, so because... got... You go, Ham. Oh, so if you've got five players in there, that are playing underage, like that's huge compliments oh. to them. So very good. Yeah, but I was just going to point out that I think between Blaze and Matt Arthur, who is um, I think very much his father's son and his big brother, been the little brother to the big brother that you know coaches son in the system, is going to have the team you know running sharply and on time through the middle, and that'll give uh, Talangi and Talatina options and time out wide. So I'm very keen to see how they can acquit themselves and I think against a good Penrith team in that trial ham they ended up getting a draw on 30 something percent percent completion rate so got a high ceiling this team and I think their biggest enemies potential will be themselves so if they can just get on top of the disciplinary parts of the game they'll go a long way this year absolutely it's it's not rocket surgery hold the ball you win (laughs) exactly all right, SG Ball squad, Arthur Miller-Steven, Junior Wright, Declan Murray, Charlie Geimer. Um, I've heard a bit of him from you too um, before. Uh, Selassie Aho, Riley Lack, uh, Ethan Sanders, Lance Fulima, Yeya Ayachi. Uh, we've heard a bit of him before too. And Mugatudio, we've heard some before. Big Larry, that's my boy. Saxon, Saxon Pryke, Dom Destratus, Nick uh, Lanaz, Josh Al-Hazim, 
we've heard a bit before. Marcus Atoa, Mark Simon, Raf Destratus, and Daniel Reardon. So a couple of familiar names in that SG Ball squad. Yeah, returning members from the uh, 2021 squad and graduates from that grand final team in the Harold Matthews. Um, it's also worth mentioning that a good number of his players have spent a lot of the preseason with the flag, doing um, significant training there and have dropped back now at the uh, – Ball season has been formalised and they'll have the opportunities to play up in the 21s later in the season. Um, in terms of new faces, Ham, I think Arthur Miller-Stephen comes to us from North Queensland. Um, he'll be an interesting prospect at fullback. Riley lacks a new face at the 5'8", and he also spent time... The players that I know spent time with the flag, I believe, are Miller-Stephen, Geimer, uh, Riley Lack, Ethan Sanders, Larry Maguatitia, and then there's a couple other players that are ball eligible but will be playing flag. So a good amount of... Uh, advanced experience in this team now because of that preseason. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting team. We've got, we've got a, a fair few new guys, you, as you mentioned, Miller Stephen, Riley Lack, uh, Lennaz come to us last year from Penrith, but didn't really play. Um, there was one on the – oh, Lance Fuolima also comes yeah, down from Lance, Queensland. Queensland. Yep, correct. And Marcus Atoa, I believe, comes – I'm not – he comes from – we got him back. We got one back on him. He comes from the Balmain Tigers from memory. So we've got one back. <laughs> um, so it re- really interesting season. I, I don't know really how they'll go because, you know, with those guys they've brought in, there's also in this team, there's eight or nine of the 17 that are playing a year young. So, again, another very young squad. Um, I think they're all hugely talented and there's a reason why that they're a year young and they're being given, they've been, um, the Eels club has shown confidence in them to make up the bulk of this team. Yeah, I think there was a, a little bit of apprehension about how the ball would shake, uh, shape up this year, Ham, um, given that there was going to be potentially some boys playing up into the flag. But the team that they've named here looks pretty sharp. Um, I'm very keen to see how they turn up against a, a pretty handy Roosters outfit. And I think if they stay fit, and that's always a challenge for any grade, let alone you know the growing bodies in the ball, but if they can stay healthy, they'll make a, a bit of noise in the competition. Anyone's a winner. Let's jump on to... The next squad, which is the Tasha Gales, so under eight, is it under 18s or is it under 19s now? 19s, women's? 19s yeah, because they've changed all the age groups. So, so Mats and Ball, it's 17s and 19s now, isn't it? Yes, correct. And 21s yeah. for flag, yeah. Yep. Um, but Tasha Gales, Debbie Doohy at that, Dohey, is that? Yeah. De- I, De- I believe it Dohey is a relation Ball. of um, a relation. The okay. boy at the Wests, yeah. Uh, Amina Kanj, Jacinta Tui, Patessa Leo. Uh, Alicia Bell, Talara Bamblett, Catalina Vave, uh, Petalina Atoa. This, oh no, forget what I just said. Uh, Ashley Potinga, Ruby Jean Kennard, Talisha Mave, Kayana Lokeni, uh, Summer Tarare, uh, Casey Quay, Louis Lani Tua, Emily Waters, Quinn McVeigh, Holly Chapman, and Ella Hughes. So, um, Tasha Gales, they're starting to improve year on year, so hopefully this year can be another um, year of improvement. Yeah, Sixties were saying they were looking quite sharp at training this week, or last week, I believe. Um, and they've always played a good power game, um, and she's not eligible for ball uh, for ball for Gale this year, but Lasalio Cedar-Payne was really the cornerstone of that. Um, and her stablemate, Ruby John Kennard, is very good too. But I think this year they're sort of... Uh, upskilling and upspeeding big time and I think they're going to be uh, much more closer to the play styles of the highly successful teams that we saw in 2021 which was the Sydney Roosters Indigenous Academy and either the Steelers or the St. George Illawarra team I'm not sure which one it was um, because of that split in the juniors so yeah looking good there's quite a few returning faces there or returning names in this case Um, Kanj, Tui, Bell, Vave, 
Canard. Um, Talisha Maver might be Talisha Pugh. I'm not sure. Sometimes the names change on those surnames. But Summer Tarari, um, Leilani Tua, and Quinn McVeigh, also members of the 2021 squad. So they've obviously augmented that with a lot of new faces. So really excited to see what they can do and hopefully they can crack that uh, postseason. Uh, well, I say drought, but it's only been a couple of years and, and get a look at the finals. Okay, well, um, let's jump into the next bit, which is the delayed um, 2021 Women's Premiership. Uh, We'll kick off on Sunday, the 27th of February at McDonald Jones Stadium. So Eels taking on the Newcastle Knights there. And the rest of the schedule is up there. You can get your Eels membership. And um, the recruitment continued for the women's team. And it looks like we're going to be, for our first inaugural season, we've got a, a pretty healthy squad. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for yeah, it. There's really a lot of excited. lot of representation. I believe uh, eight New South Wales repre- eight, representatives. Eight New South Wales reps, five 2022 yeah, All Stars. So it's a, a very well equipped squad, and we've drawn heavily on the Sydney Roosters' experience from the 2021 season. So this is a team that is on paper primed for the finals. Absolutely, and the two players that I'm probably most intrigued for, they're ones that aren't the rep players. It's uh. Abby Church, who comes to us via St. Mary's, and also another St. Mary's uh, graduate is Ricky O'Horn, also played for the Dragons last year. Both women are very fast. Uh, Ricky is wily. She puts herself into contact. Abby Church is very light on her feet. Uh, I think those two, if they're out on the wings, I reckon they'll be scoring a fair few tries. Look out for them. Yeah, so as I said, we've got five matches to play there. Um, and... Um you can get, I think you can still get a women's membership. It was like 50 bucks or something, but I, I struggle to find the actual link now on the Eels website. I'm sure it's there somewhere, but they've just dug it down somewhere. Um, all right, well, let's jump on to, this will be the last item tonight, uh, which is the NRL rule changes, which were confirmed yesterday. Um, so we'll start with the first one, uh, which is penalties will be awarded instead of set restarts for ruck um or 10-metre infringements inside the 40-metre zone of the team in possession. So essentially, if you're coming out of your own end, um, all those sort of penalties that were given away. Yeah, yeah, and I think there was a couple – a lot of the top four teams were really proficient at it. I know uh, Penrith were pretty good at it. Um, In fact, a lot of these rule changes feel like they had Penrith in mind, (laughs) if I'm I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Yeah, but it's something that was sort of discussed last year. So it's a common sense rule. Um, you know, I it, think it's a stepping stone to, to getting rid of set restarts. Well, um, I was about to say, it, it is a common sense adjustment, which is very rare from the NRL, so that they're to be applauded there. But it does raise the question of half of the game has, or half of the field essentially has penalties and half the field has six agains. Why do we just have one or the other? Like, why we, but that, that's mm. a question for another day. Yeah, it's because Philandy's ball wanted go, go, go all the time. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. I, I understand they're in a, they're in a difficult position, which is, you know, do you give the penalty when you're attacking, you know, ten out, um, and constant stoppages, which gets defence lines reset, or do you, you give six against? You know, yeah, it, it's a hard weighing up factor, and I think they're trying to play the best of both worlds, but we'll, we'll, we've got a whole season to see whether or not it'll play out properly. Uh, team list announcements to complement the addition of the 18th player rule. Um, where did they actually? Mentioned that there's an 18th player. Uh, it's from it was formalised late last year when you have the free concussions or um, whatever foul instances of foul play, you can activate the 18th man. Um, yeah. So it's, okay. So we'll get a squad increase on the day of the team announcement. 
went from 21 players yeah. to 20 so players. I, I was trying to figure this one out with 60s early today for our tip sheet podcast and the way we figured it out will be is that you announce 22 and then you drop off two like as you kind of do right now you drop off two 48 hours ahead of the game and then drop off two before kickoff and just have the 18th man carried through the game pending concussions or foul play makes sense uh, can I interject with something? Sorry. Can I interject? Sorry, yeah, sure. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I'd like to see it go. It, you know, it'll never happen because betting and everything runs the game. And, and I, I do get excited for teams Tuesdays, but I'd like to see it go the other way. Teams shouldn't have – clubs shouldn't have to name a team. It, it, it a surprise debut. Some cloak and dagger, baby. You find yeah. out that, an hour right, before it's for the betting off. markets. Hey, that, that's, that's what Hamlet's saying. I know. They, but they, they control, you know, first try score, last try score, any time try score and whatnot. So they need clarity to set those markets and frame those surprise bets. Surprise debuts. You, you, you miss out on surprise debuts now. Like, yeah, but the problem is, is like you have those situations where Joey Johns isn't going to play as named on a team list and uh, in, out inside word gets uh, given to a certain yeah, uh, so they ex. can ca- cash in uh, very lucrative <laughs> odds. And gets a bloke whose name rhymes with Ryan Pandy and uh, he puts a bet on. Oh, well, that's a bit of a different situation. It, it was more that uh, that uh, identity back uh, in the late 90s where there was a suspicion yeah. that he'd got the inside word on, on Joey being out and placed a very large wager on the team <laughs> um so yeah I, I can understand it and i and i get your point ham it is nice to see you know something up to game day but it's just a, an integrity question at this point um free interchange so a free interchange will only be granted in instances of foul play where the offending player is sin binned or sent off a free interchange will no longer apply where the player has been placed on report um so i guess that sort of uh reaction to the ridiculous scenes we saw on uh, magic round last year um so, yeah, I think that's the uh, natural that reaction sense. to how aggressively uh, common the, re- the referees use the on-report uh, you know, option now. And we saw teams obviously exploiting that. What, what is worth mentioning here is that it doesn't fix the loophole of when there is a still a free interchange for foul play, they can still do that instant sub-on-sub-off for the player that was supposedly hurt um, that hasn't been amended which is a little bit of a, a farcical situation given that we, a player is sent off or sim bin, usually you'd think there'd have to be a head, like, you know injury assessment for going high. Play The teams can still exploit that, take the player off, then put him back on and get the free substitution. But otherwise, this is another common sense step, I feel like. Wait, does that mean – because like when we versus Penrith in the finals, they had like 11 yeah, interchanges they, they about or 50, in the, Yeah, I know. They, they can't do that anymore unless there is wow. like hardcore foul play for sim binning or sent off. Yeah, because – I think when Morata got put on a report, it was like a soft tackle and they got a free yeah. interchange. That's just stupid. That's got to be common sense. So Come you, on, like, you let, still, let me run the joint. You, you know? can still like, manipulate HIA subs, but that's always going to be a very yeah. difficult thing to police because of the uh, the legal nature, potentially, of um of trying to force a doctrine on those things. But, yeah, uh, this is a good step forwards to, like I said, referees are very aggressive in using the on-report function now, which means there were so many free substitutions being given out. And I feel like this is a good compromise. Definitely. And the last of the rule changes, injury stoppages. With the exception of head injuries, only a referee, touch judge, or the bunker will be permitted to stop play for an injury. Trainers will retain the ability to stop play where a head injury has occurred. Medical trainers will continue to have unlimited access to the field at any so time to treat This player. is really so, the, the Parramatta rule after we got done dirty by Melbourne a couple of years back. On a, and also by Penrith. And uh, by Penrith too. the last. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely... And also Melbourne again. <laughs> 
Um, and once again, this this is technically still open to manipulation because the head injury caused, but it's something that you just have to take with the the territory. I think this is another good step forwards, and I, I do think at some point there's going to be a controversy because the bunker of the referee is going to miss a, an injured player and allow the player to go on for half a set, and you know there'll be some outcry and whatnot. But this, once again, I feel is a, a, a good step forwards for the game because trainers were, were just blatantly manipulating. Uh, stoppages in the game. Like, yeah, I to, make it, to make it simple, like the referee trailing behind the plate ball, he should be the one aware of it because you know he could probably like just look, look back and see if there's a player down. Like that's just make it. Well, it doesn't feel like the bunker does much else these days, so they can look for injuries. Yeah, uh, unless you got Nick Pilatus calling up, making sure call the bunker well, at, at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I think there's something wrong because we're all pretty much in agreement with these rule changes, like. PVL must be sitting there on his lounge, like listening to us when this gets put out, scratching himself, going, "Oh, I've got to make a bad rule change. Got to make a bad rule change. Got to make a good rule change." <laughs> well, I think he, he he's open to have a couple of good ones after the last two years. So uh, we haven't quite leveled out the playing field again, but it's a start. One point, Osh Ole. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've been going for about an hour now, so perhaps we might leave it there um we'll be back and you boys want to kick off uh, weekly from from now on i think there's going to be enough, to going to be enough fuel before the preseason stuff really starting to ramp up so definitely we can go back into a weekly cycle yeah so we'll, as, as we touched on before we'll have those um trial matches upcoming anyway so next week you'll only get uh, a bit of a taste of the uh, Harold Matts of the juniors so for those that love their junior football um uh, definitely tune in and thereafter we'll be probably previewing the week after we'll be previewing Shout that, out. Uh, that uh, trial match Against the Dragons. Quick shout out before we go to my boy Rafael Nadal, the one in twenty-one, getting the the advantage to him in the big three after a insane game against uh, Daniel Medvedev in the Australian Open. So I've always got a soft spot for the Spaniard, and it was good to see him push through for his uh, only his second Australian Open. He's had some heartbreak here. I've got two words for him: Step ones, get some. <laughs> no. Seriously, what is? What is uh, no, he, that, he, even if he was wearing step ones, they, he didn't have the pinch going on in the crevice. Uh, he is a man of superstition when it comes to his tennis, and that routine wouldn't change. He could be going commando, and he'd still make adjustments. <laughs> I have something from Motherland Russia. You are what we call a small cat. <laughs> uh, that, that, I feel like that's something Medvedev is going to have to address um, if he's going to be a consistent well, once the big three retire, probably will be. But uh, the fact that the crowd will go against him when he's versing one of the you know beloved members of the big three, I think just, he can't let them get into his head, in particular in Australia, because we're such a raucous bunch. I mean, Nadal, when he was coming through, you know, when he disrespected Federer a couple of times, the crowd hated him. So, like, give it a couple of years, you know, three years' that, time, and, and, and everyone that will be cheering for him. People forget is that during Federer's dominance, the crowd hated Nadal because they were challenging yeah. his greatness, and eventually now they, they love him, and... Yeah, for Medvedev, you just put your head down and get results. They'll come around to, you know, realise greatness. Yep. I'll tell you what, oh. there, there might be great tennis players, but they're no Marek Safin to me. <laughs> oh, mate, that's my, that's Sa- my Safin hero. Was, Safin was a fun guy to watch, though. The um, he was. You talk about being <laughs> beloved by the, the crowd. In Australia, they like Safin. Um, it's funny. You see everyone have their coach's box, you know, trainer, physio. It's just him. Date one, date two, date three. It was, it was a funny yeah. time, man. Like, legit. Like, he was like, he made being Russian cool. And, you know, I have no sympathy for when he beat uh, Leighton Hewitt, but, you know, he's a god. And um, while we've been handing out positive things there, on the flip side, suck shit England. You suck. Um, and that was an embarrassing tour. I mean, that was fun. I went to, I went to have the Sydney test just 
the, the, the rainiest one, which is great. I thought I'd have to go on day three because uh, England hadn't been very proficient with us uh, staying in. So, <laughs> um, But no, it was lots of fun. And it was good to get a, a good series win without Steve Smith or Marcus Labdashay dominating. We had um, other boys step up to the, the plate for once. Yeah, except for Harris. Yeah, well, except um, for Harris. All right, well, let's leave it. <laughs> let's leave it there for this week. And uh, you'll get a wrap-up of all that junior football uh, next week. So uh, we'll catch you on the next Power Podcast. See you next See you week. Then. Stay safe, everyone. Go the Eels. Thanks. Thank you.